So last week, we met Kevin. Kevin. The famous Kevin with the ice cream maker and going off to make bacon in the middle of playing PUBG. Well, he bought us some coffee. Yes. Some durian-flavoured coffee. Some durian-flavoured coffee. We gave us some sachets each. You've actually drank your sachet already at home and you were not impressed. It's rancid. (laughs) You don't like durian though, do you? I don't know. I've never tried it. You've never eaten durian? Nope. Durian is a mysterious fruit that's really popular in Southeast Asia, but pretty much unknown in the West or known only for smelling disgusting. We should rebrand it as a superfood and bring it across. We should rebrand it. I think it's really high in cholesterol. I think it's actually really bad for you. It's considered really delicious in Southeast Asia. I I quite like it. I've actually eaten real durian. It is akin to blue cheese, I think, in the sense that it is incredibly pungent smelling. And if you've never eaten it before and someone just hands you a wadge of blue cheese, you would be like, this is disgusting. It smells of feet and it's moldy. You would just give me gone off food. And I think it's similar with durian. You'd be like, why are you handing me this gigantic, heavy, spiky death fruit that I have to use a cleaver to chop into and that smells like rotting custard? Is it meant to smell sweet? It is meant to smell sweet, but also kind of of onions. I'm going to take a sip of it. Interesting. (laughs) let me take another sip of it and think about what i'm about to say yeah durian okay so durian's a weird fruit because it actually has a very nice custardy flavor but it's overlaid with this horrifying pungent acrid burning flavor that is quite disgusting and when you eat a lot of durian or when you have eaten durian before your brain actually learns to just filter this out so you just nom nom some durian you're like "Mm, delicious custody goodness and your brain is just automatically subtracting the acrid death smell but when they make durian candies or durian coffee evidently they feel the need to put in the terrifying flavor as well because that makes it authentically durian but it's just like well this just tastes disgusting (laughs) it's not that bad so when you smell it you're fooled by this custardy smell it's like vanilla and you think oh it's it's vanilla but it's off a little bit no 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 a real durian smells like that but like ten thousand times stronger like a real durian will like clear out a room if you're not sure what it is so they've put in just a hint of it but it's different enough that my brain doesn't subtract it you'll finish it though I think. I- i'll finish it yeah i'm gonna down it thanks for the coffee kevin okay anyway moving on Awareness bands. I want to ask you about awareness bands. These don't exist anymore, do they? Really? I'm not looking at kids' wrists anymore. For a little while, it was really fashionable. Like, everyone was wearing them. I don't know if it was fashionable, but everyone everyone was wearing them. (laughs) I don't know if it was fashionable. Okay, thanks, Ting. Yeah, a university, right? Did you have any? I think the only one I had was a Livestrong, you know, the white one. What's his name again? The guy who teaches at Tour de France. That's all anyone's oh, going to remember Armstrong. now. Lance Armstrong. There you go. Now his name has been tarnished. That was a white one? It was white. What was, was the yellow one then? I have no idea. I don't recall. I do remember the yellow ones. I can't remember what they were for. And well, then... I wasn't very aware. <laughs> Those breast cancer ones that were pink, I'm guessing? Guess so. Although usually that's like the pink ribbon, but... 
This is all going to be really UK centric too, because at the time we saw any of these, we would have been in the UK. It was like a beat bullying one, a blue one. Oh, was that anti-bullying? Yeah. Was there a black one that was pro-bullying? <laughs> Can you say that? Can I say that? Oh, sorry. Maybe I can't <laughs> say that. Oh, now you're making me sound like a terrible person thing. I think there was a blue and black one that came together as well. There, at some point. Oh no, am I making this up and hoping for that there were like two bands coming together? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember any of this really. But I had one. I had three for some reason. I don't know why I had three. three you were four. very aware. <laughs> no, clearly unaware. What were you aware of? You just like the colours. Yeah, I just like the colours. I don't. You can't read. This one's pro racism. <laughs> this one. <laughs> this one's for suppression of the working classes. Fine, you you all won. That's all I need to know. Also, want to ask about her. Not about the full film, actually. It's just having an OS that's an AI. Otherwise, we're going to have to say spoilers for her, but yeah. we won't because we're not going to talk about it. No. An OS that's an AI. Yeah, I'd be annoyed. It would just be like having Siri everywhere. Like, Siri, Siri, get out my face. Stop doing what you think I should do and do what I tell you to do. Imagine if it could write letters for you, though. Yeah, that, w- that would be very handy. You just OCR the letter and just have it replied to. Yeah, but th- then what's the point? Especially once everyone's doing this. Everyone's going to know that you didn't really write this beautiful letter. But hopefully your style will be adopted. Your style. If you've never written a letter, then you'll have no style. Yeah, but all your emails have been gone through by now, right? All your emails have been gone through. It's just going to be like, my letters are going to be like, lol. <laughs> just like cuts of prior works. I do feel like this is the way the world is going, though. Everyone wants a stupid virtual assistant. Well, I say everyone wants. I think every company wants to give you a stupid virtual assistant. How many little speakers do I have to have around my home? Have you enabled Hey Siri on your phone? Oh, let's start. Hey Siri! Get lost! I didn't really want you! Yeah, she went away again. (laughs) What? What just happened? I just summoned Siri. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have here today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Father Ting. For two months now. For two months. This is going to be your nickname forever until we come up with a more amusing one. Until something else happens, yeah. Until you become Ting the Unburnt, King of the First Men, Lord of the Andals. I can't remember. I haven't watched it recently enough. Here's hoping. I'd have a much more interesting life if that became my my new name. So we are Book Club for Games. Yes, we are. And today we are. I just said yes, we are. <laughs> so what's the game? Sleeping Dogs. And this is the final episode in our playthrough of Sleeping Dogs. Yep, third and final episode. So we finished the game. Yes. We need to sort of bring people back in. What what happened in parts one and two? We were an undercover cop. We joined the triad. We got made a red pole. Stuff happened. We pick up this episode with Uncle Poe in hospital. Well, Uncle Poe was already in hospital, but the 18K comes to kill him. You prevent him from dying in that attack, but he dies anyway in mysterious circumstances. There's a power struggle for control of the triad. Big Smile Lee, your longtime nemesis, tries to seize control, but you kill him and he doesn't. And you go back to being a cop. The end. Plus lots more drama in between. 
Are you satisfied by my summary? Oh, I'm very satisfied. So we pick it up in the hospital. Yes. It is extremely over the top. So the 18K bust in, they shoot a doctor in the head, and they shut off power to the whole hospital just to try and kill Uncle Poe. Overkill much? I mean, this would be this would be like international news if it happened. Like, this is crazy. You don't shut off power to a whole hospital just to try and kill one person. I mean, number one, that's really inefficient. And number two... It's not very discreet. No. So you have to fight off a few dozen 18k gangsters, I think, and turn the power back on. But that's it, really. I don't think anything particularly noteworthy happens other than possibly like half a hospital full of people just gets killed because there's no power. But, you know, for some reason it's not in the news. Do you have any particular stories from this mission? No, not really. It was just another gunfight through a building. There's a lot of missions that are just another gunfight in this section. I mean, this section is really high action, which is cool. But it was just a cover shooter, mow down waves of enemies, bullet time. Yes. Okay, so then the next mission, Important Visitor. You are sent to try and show around King a music producer from the US and he wants to meet a real triad gangster so you get brought in to show him the real Hong Kong and they bring him to a venue called K-Bar yes how do you feel about K-Bar it's quite lame it's really lame I would not be impressed if I were an important visitor it's kind of funny because K-Bar is in Soho in the game which is a real area of Hong Kong. You know, it's just occurred to me, there's no Lan Kwai Fong in Sleeping Dogs, because that would be a more appropriate place to put it. But I guess Soho's not a bad second choice. No. It's got a very unassuming frontage, to the point where, when I needed to go back to K-Bar for some other reason, I remember following the waypoint there, and then just being like, where is this place? I can't find it. Oh, it's just this tiny door. It's much bigger on the inside. It's still not a very nice venue. It's all right. The other venue in North Point is much better. What, Club Bam Bam? Is that right? Never got that right. Yeah, yeah, that's the big yeah. nightclub. With the fish tank. I mean, just, with, I just remember. With the, the badass fish tank. Yeah, that was cool. I guess this is a bar, not a club. But yeah, you go there. He asks you to round up some beautiful girls. I can't comment on this. I think it's actually quite appropriate now I've, now I've looked at it second hand. <laughs> second time round. Oh, you're not going to say it. You're going to make me say it. Because I'm just inappropriate central today. They're not really that beautiful. But that's not fair. But that's not fair. Everyone's beautiful on the inside. The artist was just having a bad day. <laughs> so you're saying aesthetically aesthetically unpleasing. Yeah, they're not like supermodels. They're just like normal people. Which is fine. But there's two Russian ladies and two like local ladies that you bring into this private karaoke room to sing with uh, King. And fun feedback from Johnson, which I actually hadn't noticed. Apparently, the two local Hong Kong women say in Cantonese how King seems to only be interested in the Russian women. I did not pick up on this. No, nor did I. I don't know if this is a definitive edition only edition, which is possible because we're playing the original version. But I I didn't see it even in the subtitles because I I have the subtitles turned on because I can't speak Cantonese. I had the subtitles turned on. 
I didn't see it nor hear it. It's true though. It was like the two Russian women are just fawning over a king, and like the other two, like locals are just sitting there, like going, uh, "What are we doing?" Is it cliche Russian escorts in Hong Kong? You're the one who's well connected. I'm the one who's well connected. Oh, geez, that sounds awful. Okay, for, for some reason, I think it's some kind of weird cliche, but I, I obviously have no first-hand experience with this. I'm far too boring. I mean, you don't get to play 300 hours of PUBG when you're going out party. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, you know people. You know people, maybe. I know people who tell me stories that sound terrible. <laughs> Another terrible stereotype. So King, the music producer, is in the drugs business. So the reason he wants to meet a real gangster is to set up a drug deal, an international drug deal with you. And he decides that you're a stand-up character after you've shown him some dodgy ladies and had a few fist fights. You mentioned how this represents Hong Kong or how it doesn't represent Hong Kong. I think it's really funny. Like, I think at this point in the game, I just wrote down a note to myself going, this game makes Hong Kong sound like a really dangerous place. Like, you know, we just had the hospital with the power shut off to try and kill like the dragon head of the triad. And then now we've had this drug deal set up and like Hong Kong's usually really safe like Hong Kong's really quite boring and safe as in you can walk around at 3am not paying attention just like looking at your phone like a zombie and you don't have to worry about being mugged or glassed or like anything it's like a really very safe place maybe not if you hang around with triads but I wouldn't know next mission Yes, Fast Girls. You get introduced... Actually, I say you get introduced. This is another mission with Sonny Woe, because Sonny Woe is the guy who set you up to meet King. Yes. And he's just he's just a total jackass. There's some very unlikable people in this game. <laughs> I, th- I mean, he's particularly unlikable. I-, I actually made a note topically that parallels with Harvey Weinstein, because he's like a sleazy character that is just perving on what well, apparently he likes to watch i think there's some comment about that i mean this just sounds awful and he is the agent for vivian who is like a, a pop star but he's evidently just trading her around for favors with gang members and so on dreadful but you have to pick up vivian and her friend sandra in this mission this mission's also got this whole backstory with another character called ricky who I think is also introduced at this point. And he is kind of Vivian's protector slash boyfriend. But he's also in Big Smile Lee's employ. Anyway, I don't think we actually need to go into that much detail in the overall story. We may as well just say our comments about it. How do you find this mission? We can go straight on to the street race. Yeah, we, let's just skip straight to the street race. So there's this ridiculous moment prior to the race where they're making the bet. And he bets the girls and at 100k on this stupid race. Good thing you win. <laughs> well, seriously, guys? I mean, I, I guess that's that's big talk. I guess that's how you do that's it. That's big gangster talk. It's not okay to bet two random women that you just met. <laughs> what happened if you lose? <laughs> seriously. But then again, after you win, you get the 100k and you also get an apartment. So maybe that's what you got in return for winning instead. They never explained why you, you... You suddenly got the apartment. You just woke up in this apartment. It well, may not even be mine. Or maybe it's Sandra's apartment, because she is really rich. So Vivian's friend Sandra, in the mission, they talk about her family just buying a castle just for fun. But you can buy castles in other countries for fun. Yeah, but 
you have to be really rich. Yeah, true, true, true. So maybe they just gave you this apartment for winning the race. I don't know. It's a very nice apartment, although it is on a low floor. I'm just shaking my head in disappointment. Would you never live on a low floor? You know what? When I moved to Hong Kong, there were like two apartments that I liked the look of. One of them is the one we're sitting in right now, which is on the 16th floor. And there was another one which I actually thought was nicer, but it was on the fourth floor. And I was actually leaning towards getting the other one until someone said, oh, it's a very low floor. Have you thought about the traffic noise? And I was like, oh, I'd, n- I'd never thought about that. And they're like, yeah, you know, you should really, you should probably go for the one that's higher up. So I went for this one. This podcast would never go anywhere if we were on the fourth. Imagine if we were on the fourth floor, the rose noise would be unbearable. There's no double glazing in Hong Kong. So there's actually very significant road noise. I mean, the, the traffic sounds just come right in. Even on the 16th floor, we still often have to stop recording while like a police car goes past or something. Really? Is there, there's no double glazing in Hong Kong? Well, there's probably double glazing in Hong Kong in some places, but it's not common. I mean, it's really dumb if you think about it, because single glazing is just letting all of the coolness from the aircon out as well. It would actually be really beneficial to have double glazing, but for whatever reason, it's just not common out here. So you've got your new apartment, and so begins the next mission. <laughs> Bad luck. I really like this mission. I can't remember all the preamble. It's something like Tu Chin Sao is getting too big for his boots and Broken Nose Jang decides that he needs to step down as acting chairman because he is getting too accustomed to being in control. Yep, he's the intermediary or temporary chairman. As a result of being related to Uncle Poe, basically. He's Uncle Poe's nephew. So she has the idea that you should go in and mess with his... How would you pronounce his word, Ting? The English way is feng shui. <laughs> oh, that's such a cough out. I think it's like feng shui, but that's Mandarin, isn't yeah, it? So in Cantonese, it's feng shui. It's like earth and water, isn't it? Wind and water. Wind and water. Yeah. Okay. So what do you have to do? What does she ask of you? So Tu Chin is very superstitious. And he's also a creature of habit. He always goes gambling at this particular time of day. So while he's off gambling, you have to bust into his house and mess with his furniture in a very unlucky way. And they characterize it as messing with his feng shui. So you've got to go in, you've got to break four vases, you've got to steal one of the jade statues, which is convenient because you need it to unlock a martial arts skill. You've got to set all the clocks to four o'clock, I think. That would make sense. And he then comes back and he's like, What's going on? There's ghosts. They're angry with me. And he decides that he needs to take a break and step down as acting triad head. Do you believe in feng shui? Feng shui? However you say it? No, no, I don't. Oh, there's one thing I believe in. It's the one where don't hang anything above your head, board, or that side of the bed. Don't hang anything like swords above your head or something. Like, what would you hang there? Pictures. Pictures, okay, but shelves. That's kind of like practical because they might fall down in the night and hit you. Maybe it's practical. I can't tell the difference anymore. And things like having your feet towards the door and not your head at the door, the bedroom door. Yeah, that just kind of feels weird. But that kind of makes sense as well. You know, in case someone comes in in the middle of the night and you have to fight them off with a sword. Okay, so you're not especially superstitious. No, not really. Because in Hong Kong in general, people do take it surprisingly seriously here. And you can actually even see that in the buildings in the city. So land prices in Hong Kong are incredibly expensive. And that's one of the reasons they build so tall, because you're trying to get 
as much floor space as possible within your footprint. But you will have buildings that have just giant holes cut out in the middle of them. So instead of being a solid building, it just has a large void in the middle of the building. And that is for feng shui reasons. It's to get some like positive energy flow from the mountain to the water or something. There's lots of stuff like this. It's really weird. They spend a lot of money or forego a lot of money in order just to have better you know, geomancy. Another well-known example is the Bank of China building, which is actually in Sleeping Dogs. It's one of the famous landmarks of Hong Kong. And it's made up of lots and lots of very angular triangles. I heard that actually it was one of the few buildings that wasn't built after consultation with a feng shui master. And it was very controversial because allegedly it's predicting negative energy to all the buildings around it. So the HSBC building, which is next door, actually has feng shui cannons mounted on the roof to try and like deflect the negative energy. They actually put up those cranes for window washing, but they specially built new ones that are pointing at the Bank of China building, allegedly to deflect the energy. Are you suspicious? Uh, suspicious? Suspicious. <laughs> Am I a suspicious character? <laughs> are, you, are you superstitious? I'm not superstitious, but... I find that I do notice things now in the same way that I would have noticed the number 13 before, perhaps. Now I find myself noticing the number four more. And the other day I was on the MTR and as I went through the gate and scanned my card, my octopus balance was 444.4. And I was thinking, ooh, this is a bad number. <laughs> but, you know, nothing bad happened to me. I made it home safely. Although I did actually mention to you that the restaurant I was in yesterday caught fire. <laughs> I went for Korean barbecue and we were cooking, you know, meat on the barbecue and it was all fine. But it was a bit strange because I was turning down the heat and stuff was still cooking really quickly. And eventually I just turned the burner off entirely. So there was no gas coming out, but there was still fire coming out of the barbecue. And the waitress came over and looked at it and she was like, huh? And she was like twiddling the dial as well and obviously going, this is strange. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm sure it'll go out on its own. But then she was really worried because I was like completely blasé about it. But after she was so worried, I then became quite worried too. And then she brought over the manager and the manager was also really worried. And then they took the grill plate off the top and then it just like burst into flame. It was like this massive fire. And we actually all had to then get up from the table and like evacuate. And eventually like, the table itself caught fire. It was quite serious. So you could say that was bad luck. But also, we got to eat for free. So you could say that was great luck. Good. You've seen the positive side of this. You're oh, learning. Oh, no. Damn it. Your positivity has infected me. Conflicted loyalties. I, I can't remember the context of this mission. Something, something. Vivian. Video Vivian in a naughty situation. So you have to go to Vivian's apartment, or is it Ricky's apartment? I it's Vivian's. And this is the one where I am jumping up the scaffolding into the apartment. I'm in there, and then Ricky and Vivian turn up. And then it becomes a stealth mission to get the video out. I think this was the moment when I realised Vivian was being used as a pawn by... She's being used as a sex slave. She's rich and famous, but at the same time, she's under the control of Sunny Woe. And I wrote down, oh, I can be so naive sometimes. You mentioned that you have to get into her apartment by parkouring up some scaffolding. So at the beginning of the mission, you try and just fast talk your way in by talking to the door guard. And every other time, 
you've said, oh, no, I need to do this. And, you know, the person you're fast talking is like, oh, okay, and lets you in. This time, door guard, fast talk. And he's just like, I don't believe you. Get out. And I was like, what? And then I just punched him. Because, <laughs> you know, that's the general solution to things in this game. The game was having none of it. It just failed the mission immediately. It said, do not assault the door guard. What do you mean, game? Do not assault the door guard. You've just had me, like, punching people and throwing them onto swordfish and, like, blending them. And suddenly it's not okay to punch this door guard. Make your mind up. Anyway, that was my favourite observation about this mission. Oh, and then... I guess the other important story beat is you give a copy of the video to Roland slash Pendrew slash the police and they, in exchange, free Jackie. So you are doing Jackie a favour. You're getting him out of jail, but you're also bringing him back into danger. Dun dun dun. And then here is the crescendo of the game, I guess. The funeral. So Uncle Poe is suddenly dead. I mean, he was fine last time we saw him, but now he's dead. And they don't actually tell you how he died. They just tell you Uncle Poe is dead. Come to the funeral. But you're not surprised. Well, he was kind of old and he did get shot and they did cut off power to a whole hospital to try and kill him. So maybe he just kind of didn't make it. Although in the context of this game, it was a bit weird that they don't mention exactly the circumstances of his death. Anyway... You pick up Jackie from the police station and you have to go and get some suitable attire to attend a funeral in. Jackie sacrilegiously rolls up the sleeves on his jacket because he comments, oh, wow, I never thought I'd be able to afford a nice suit like this. But then he rolls the sleeves up. Surely that is no way to treat a nice suit. But you're a sleeve roller upper. I am a sleeve roller upper, but I wouldn't do it on like a suit jacket. I mean, I just wouldn't wear a suit jacket, to be fair. You're going to wreck it, aren't you? I don't know. I'm not sufficiently fashionable. Anyway, I was just incensed. This is like another like white tuxedo moment. I was like, a white tuxedo? What is this? I didn't realise you're so proper. <laughs> he can roll up his suit jacket. He's do, doing it, fashion his own way. It, it does look quite cool. I just thought it was funny that he comments about how expensive the suit is and then just immediately rolls the sleeves up. More foreshadowing. Jackie is like, oh, you know, I should settle down with... I've forgotten the name of the girl that he's dating. In my defence, you never meet her. She's just this abstract name. But you talked about settling down and, you know, giving up the life of crime. And I'm thinking, oh, you're totally going to die. This is setting up for the, he was one week from retirement kind of story trope. I'm just calling it now. Okay. Also, why is Jackie at the funeral? Because you get to the funeral and they mention all the sun on your leadership is in one place. Plus Jackie. True. He's not, a, he's not part of the leadership. Everyone else at the funeral is like a red pole or a serious player in the Sun on Yi, plus Jackie. But I know Jackie was pulled up along with you. I, that's what I thought was part of the initiation. Well, none of the other people in your gang are there, though. There's also like Conroy and I can't remember any of the others' names, but none of them are there. Anyway, again, I thought I'd point out it makes sense from a story point of view, but it's not very logical. The actual funeral itself... Poorly attended that funeral, by the way. Poorly attended? For someone who had that much power. Yeah, for a major mob boss, you'd think they'd have, like, crowds of mourners and people theatrically wailing and stuff. But instead, it's a very low-key affair with just the red poles. Maybe it's a second date. (laughs) What do you mean? They had, like, a a primary date where all the 
oh, regulars the, came. They had a big public funeral, and this is just the the private ceremony for yeah. important people. Maybe. The funny thing is that Pendrew shows up with the police, and they arrest Sonny, Sonny Woe, who probably deserved it. And then the 18K show up with guns. And you would think the police would then step in and try and keep the peace. But instead, Pendrew's like... The 18K are about to do this city a great public service. And anyone who stays here deserves everything they get. And then he just leaves. And then you have to have a massive shootout in the middle of a cemetery. But you get a grenade launcher. You do. You get a grenade, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Lee Cool. Yeah, the grenade launcher was... I think this is the first time you get the grenade launcher, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's actually an assault rifle with an underbarrel grenade launcher. You've got a lot of firepower. You're just, like, blowing up cars. You're, like, taking out whole squads of people. It was quite fun. But in the cemetery, come on, guys. Have some respect. You had nothing to say about Civil Discord, the next mission. Nope. So I put some comments in, because I had fun. <laughs> so, so my two comments were, where's Jackie? Oh, no. Mrs. Chu's restaurant's under attack, and you have to rally the troops to defend it. Jackie, for some reason, is not there. Not at all suspicious or foreshadowing. Mm. And the other important comment is, never turn your back on Mrs. Chu. Some guy is trying to intimidate Mrs. Chu and saying, where's Wei Shen? I need to talk to him. You know, And then you show up and he's like, you're going to work for Big Smile Lee. And then Mrs. Chu just freaking like cuts him down with the cleaver. He deserved it. That's what I have to say. <laughs> you get the grenade launcher again, don't you? Or you get an assault rifle grenade launcher combo and you're kind of on an upper walkway and just, again, blowing up. Yes, yes, you are. Hordes of enemies. Unnecessary yet again. Lots of firepower, lots of explosions. The next mission is Buried Alive. Key story moments here. You get a phone call from Jackie's mobile, but it's not Jackie. And they tell you, come to these coordinates or your friend is dead. But simultaneously, you are having a chat with your police handler, who's telling you, you have to come in now. Pendrew wants you dead. He's going to cut you loose. Which is kind of ridiculous. But that's how it goes. But of course, you can't come in now. You've got to rescue Jackie. And the actual mission... Where do you have to head to? I think Aberdeen Dry Docks or something. You you go to like some kind of warehouse, warehouse, beat up some guys. Another fun nickname. Horseface. Horseface. Did he have a face like a horse? I didn't think so. Does he just have a long face? Did he just have a long face? I didn't think it was a particularly long face. Isn't there a bit as well where you call up? And because there's a guy called New Shoes as well. Did you notice this? They're, they're, they're like, New Shoes, check him out. And then you then try and call up Horseface's boss to try and find out where Jackie is actually buried. And they're like, who's this? And you're like, oh, it's New Shoes. And like, put your boss on. Where's Horseface? And you're like, oh, uh, Wei Shen killed him. We need to find out, you know, I don't know, some <laughs> fast talking. As you might have guessed from the name, Jackie has been buried alive. You have to go and dig him up. And it's all fine. And he's like, oh, I need to get out of this game, man. I just need a break. And he goes home. And then... 
the election. So they're going to hold the election to see who's going to be the new head of the triad. I think my my mind's drawn a blank. Do you remember how this starts? No, I don't. So you get you get told to come to some particular coordinates. You go there. I think it's a text message from Jackie. And you're like, where's Jackie? And you call him and you hear his phone ringing. And you go inside and you find he's dead and he's been strung up and his phone's in his pocket. And you're like, no, Jackie. And while you're theatrically saying no, you just get clonked on the back of the head and knocked out. And wake up being horribly tortured by Mr. Tong. This mission was cool. This mission is proper, like, Hong Kong action thriller. It was really cinematic and theatrical and... Intense. Intense, yeah. This whole this whole last bit is really intense. Mr. Tong, what's he teach you? He's, like, cutting you up with a knife, and then he just drills you in the knee. He actually gets a power drill and just, like, shoves it in your knee. That's what I thought happened, but then but the effects thought- of the the injury don't seem that severe. Yeah, the game goes all Halo, Uncharted, Gears of War on you, and your health just regenerates and you're fine. You're like, ah, just walk it off. You would not just walk off a drill to the knee. You would need, like, a hospital visit and probably months of physio to be able to walk again after getting drilled in the knee. Like, that's serious business, man. It's quite interesting. So first off, he starts off with crawling on his elbows through the room, and then the next phase, he's stumbling. And I thought, oh, shit, I've got a stealth past all these people you know with my slower walking pace but by the next room he's running around again like yeah by the next room he's like parkour leaping off staircases and just like ninja kicking people through windows again so some theatrical cinematic license there it does start out you know with you being horrifically injured and then having to you know cleverly incapacitate you i say incapacitate you guys you just like kill them like you get hold of one of their guns or you drown one of them in the toilet or something yeah, this was really intense. You have to have a fight in the sauna. Like, there's two other, like, mobs in the sauna. You have to, like, beat them up. And then, you know what? It's just occurred to me. When you fight these guys in the sauna, do they just have towels around them? And those towels just miraculously stay on the whole time. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, just, I didn't notice that until we're talking about it now. I'm just thinking, hang on a minute. Were well, they wearing towels? We hardly met him, but you already, like, really hate Mr. Tong. But then the arc on him gets closed very quickly because we actually have to kill him when we get to the bottom of the building. Because we're at the top of like an unfinished building and then we're having to fight our way all the way down. And when you get back to the ground floor, you have to confront Mr. Tong again. And he's just got like this big chopper, like a machete or something, isn't it? He doesn't get impaled in his own weapon. You like do a reversal and like stab him with his own giant sword knife thing. I think so, yeah. And then the next mission just immediately starts, like, just immediately goes into Big Smile Lee, which is the final mission of the game. So you leave the building and you have to go into the car. Yeah, you're still carrying the big chopper and you just step outside the building and it says, take Mr. Tong's car, confront Big Smile Lee. So the chopper is actually an amazing weapon, you know, because you know the melee weapons in this game usually just break after a few hits. This chopper just never breaks. (laughs) Is that the official name? Chopper. <laughs> You're like swinging around a helicopter. Sorry, what would you call it, Ting? What? <laughs> don't know why it's so funny. Because you call it... <laughs> no, you had some sort of like laughing fit. You can't stop. 
So, so it's not the official term. I, I don't know if it's the official term. Hang on, hang on. Let's check. Let's check. Okay, okay. So it's a machete, not a chopper. I was just like, it's a big chopper. It's just big thing for chopping things. It's being very literal. <laughs> I don't know why you find it so funny. You really lost it. It just doesn't have the same... Doesn't sound as offensive or as effective. Sounds comical. Sounds comical. Yeah. <laughs> okay. As I was saying before, you had your complete breakdown. That machete is a very good weapon because it doesn't break. So you can just literally just keep chopping, sorry, macheteing people as much as you like. So you can take that into the car. You can take it in the car, yeah. And it's just like a melee weapon that never breaks. I dropped it before. I- Went into the car. Oh, disappointing. You missed out on a big opportunity there. And then the car, the number plate, is fastback. Or it's like fastback in elite speak. FA578ACK. I was just going to comment number plates in Hong Kong. It didn't really occur to me until I saw this kind of alphanumeric number plate that the number plates in this game are actually not really like Hong Kong number plates. Because Hong Kong number plates are crazy. You can have any word. You can literally have any word you like. Well, maybe you can't have swear words. I've never seen like a an offensive number plate, but I've seen like really funny ones. Like I've been in a taxi that had the number plate taxi, for example. You see loads of really funny ones. Like I saw a Tesla that had the number plate Tesla. I saw a yellow Ferrari that had a number plate Pikachu. And then there's a whole bunch of Bentleys that have really funny number plates. Like, there's a bright pink Bentley that you often see in Central that just says Deborah as a number plate. And then, allegedly, there's a Bentley that belongs to a gangster that you often see in Admiralty, which is kind of like yellow and tan. And it has a number plate, shh. Although it's not very subtle. Do you think that's intention? I don't know. I actually have no idea. You actually can have pretty much any word you like. You don't have to resort to this funny letters and numbers business. You can just literally have the word. What, what would you have? What would I have? Oh man, what would I have? I feel like I should have something funny. But you can only be funny for so long. Then you just move on. You just keep renaming yourself. Yeah. I suppose you can't change your number plate that often. I'm just thinking of all the other number plates I've seen. Like Hole in One or Nice Day. <laughs> What, you just think of Chopper? I should have Chopper. That's Yeah, and be like, get into Chopper. <laughs> yes, there please. You there you go, that's, that's the solution. Okay, back to the mission. Yes, back to the mission. You're in your car, you get out of your car. You chop a lot of people up. Uh, <laughs> Big Smile Lee's base is in a floating restaurant in Aberdeen. The floating restaurant that his base is in is a real restaurant. This is a real place in Hong Kong. It's called Jumbo, and it's like a famous landmark. What are they saying? What are they saying? You know, what are they saying? Are they actually saying that Jumbo is like a money laundering operation? It's like a front for the triads. I have no idea if this is true, actually. I've actually been to Jumbo. I've actually had dinner there a couple of times. Was there any gunfire? There was no gunfire. It was quite overpriced for what it was. Jumbo is like a giant kind of Chinese traditional pagoda, but it's like a really big one just floating in the water and you've got to get to it by boat. And yeah, so this is where the final mission is. 
you just got to bust in there, take down the guards, fight your way into the back room, I guess. You confront Ponytail again and have to take him down. Do you notice? Yes. The last guy guarding the door is Ponytail. And then one of my favourite moments in the game, you bust down the door and you're like, I'm coming for you, Big Smiley. And then <laughs> Big Smiley pops out and he's like, surprise! And he just shoots you with a shotgun. He literally says surprise and shoots you with a shotgun. It's not even remotely subtle. Like, you go flying backwards and like flip through the air. A shotgun at that kind of range that has that kind of impact on you. Like, you're not getting up again from that, surely. Even though, I mean, it's like, they shot him in the shoulder, it's fine. But armour? Does that help? He's not wearing armour. I, I, What were you wearing at this point? I was probably wearing like a t-shirt and a Panama hat. Naked. <laughs> you're going to like die from blood loss or something. It's going to like mangle your shoulder. But again, like with the drill, you kind of just shake it off. And you have this boat chase. And eventually you're fighting by the side of the water. You said there's no HUD? Yeah. Everything disappears. It's just... Looks like a cinematic. It's over the shoulder and you're slugging it out. This was really good. It's a nice touch. Yeah, it took me a while to get the memo because I kept trying to like, actually punch him to death. But I think you actually have to counter him because I guess you're sort of super wounded and your punches are really like lame. But when you counter, you kind of still counter him properly. All right, I think the final counter, you literally just grab him and throw him in an ice chipper. That's like really brutal. But is that a traditional gangster death? It's the sort of thing that happens to drug bosses in, like, cinematic kind of endings. True, yes. Ice chipper, meat grinder, wood chipper, wood chopper. <laughs> chopper, chopper. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know what lies the cinema's been teaching me, so... Who knows? Does, does he say that? I think he must say that. This is, this is something we're going to have to get a clip for. <laughs> Does he shout, you pussy? <laughs> what? I made a note of, surprise, and you made a note of, you pussy. <laughs> the, the dialogue in this game was top-notch. <laughs> in this final scene. I'm going to kill you. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> you pussy. But there's more. Well, there's more. it kind of like fades out after you've managed to take him out. And it's like some time later, like time has passed. You're dressed in kind of like detective clothes again. Well, you're not just like a gangster anyway, or a street thug. You're, you're in like a suit. And it turns out Pendry was a dirty cop. I was right. What? You, do you want me to give you a medal? No, because you're right. It was not hard to predict. <laughs> yeah, it was so obvious. How does it actually go? You, you're you at home in your... You, <laughs> it's kind of dodgy. You're, you're at home in your apartment that you bought with the proceeds of crime. Your very nice Kennedy Town apartment. And you get a letter that says, To Inspector Shen from Auntie Jang. And inside is... Well, a video file. A USB stick with a video file on that shows Pendrew killing uncle poe and basically the two of them having a chat about how uncle poe gave him the three tigers which made pendrew's career and in exchange pendrew agreed not to disrupt the tribe's activities too thoroughly but now he needs to move on and up and so 
Uncle Poe is a loose end to be taken care of. So Pendrew killed Uncle Poe, and Pendrew was crooked all along. And then there's a moment at the end where you sit down to have a chat with Pendrew. Yeah, you confront Pendrew once you've got the evidence. Because it, it seems like Pendrew's going to get away with it, because they're like, you know, Pendrew's like sold you down the river, and he's going to be made, you know, Interpol and all the stuff. And you're like, damn it, you know, he's going to get away with it. And then you get the video from Auntie Jang, and then you're in kind of an interrogation room with Pendrew. And then he knows that you've got this dirt on him and he's going down. And then you tell him, oh, and I've already told all the people in prison that you're the guy who killed Uncle Poe. He's like, no, you can't do that. I wouldn't last a day in there. It's like, that's the idea. Brutal, man. Villains, they get what they deserve in this game. Who's the villain? Shades of Grey. Yeah. And then final scene. Auntie Jang chatting to... But where are you and where is she? You're outside and she's kind of in a limo. They conveniently just stop. They conveniently just stops and has yeah. a look at you. Yeah. And they're like, what should we do with Wei Shen? And she's like, I'll let him go. It's fine. And they just drive off. And they just drive off. He's like, oh yeah, he was always loyal to me. See you later. And that's the end. Cue credits music. The credits were really long. Do you watch through the whole credits? No. Actually, the credits for all games are really long these days. There's so many people involved. I, did, I actually didn't skip them. I just left them running, but then went off to like make dinner or something and came back 20 minutes later and they were like still going. No post-credit scene, right? I normally... It's a quick Google to see if there's any post-credits before I do anything. Yeah, well, it does let you skip the credits. I mean, you can skip the credits. Most games let you skip the credits these days because they are so long. Anyway, this is a long episode. We haven't even got to like the fun bit. Because after the main story, there's still loads of random side stuff we did. So I made a big deal about this Aberdeen sewage access drug bust. Seeing how it's broken. Yeah, you specially asked if I'd done it. And I said no. And you said, okay, we'll talk about it next time. Go and do this particular drug bust. So I specially went and did this particular drug bust. And I was just like, is that it? I finished it first time, completely trivially. So what you did, you, you charged them. You went straight for them, which is what I should do. So so what happened to you? I stayed at the back. Actually, we should give some context. So this Aberdeen sewage outlet, drug bust, you can only get to it by boat. There's kind of like a tunnel that you can drive the boat into, and it's kind of got like... It's like a stereotypical video game sewer. There's kind of like two like pavement bits, and there's a water channel in the middle that you can drive the boat in. So you get out the boat, you're walking along the kind of walkway pavement you bit on the side, and the drug bust is that there's a bunch of gangsters there and some convenient tables you to take cover behind. It's a dead end, so there's nothing. It, it's a dead end, yeah. There's nothing to it. So what I did is I hung back at the entrance, and what happened is as I cleared the, the gang members in front of me, they started spawning on top of me, literally. Whereas you just... You ran straight in and just waved your arms and yeah. shot things. I was like, YOLO, and I just dived over the table and it went to bullet time and I headshot the gangsters. I ran up to collect their guns and as I turned around, some other gangsters spawned behind me. So I just jumped over the table in bullet time again and I was like, double YOLO and just shot them too. And that was the end of the mission. It's like, oh, it's done. That was easy. That's what I should have done. I didn't move. So they started spawning on top of me and I was just swearing at the game saying it's broken, cheating, scumbags. The other funny thing I thought about this mission is you hack the camera. I mean, all the drug busts are the same thing. You beat up some guys or shoot some guys in this case, hack the camera, 
and then go home and then use the camera to go and say, that guy's the drug dealer and then police swoop in. But this one was kind of ridiculous because you're looking at the camera and there's like 10 gangsters with guns in this kind of secluded bit of the city. It's not like it's in like a quiet courtyard. It's literally in like an underground tunnel on the south side of the island that you can only get to by boat. 10 gangsters with guns. You say, oh, that one's a drug dealer. Two cops run in unarmed. And all these gangsters like, oh no, it's the cops and run away. There's 10 gangsters with guns. They would totally just shoot those two cops or at least overpower them. You know, there's 10 of them. That's ridiculous. It is. Following up from our feedback we had last time from Johnson about whether we'd done any of the dates. So it's funny. It literally never occurred to me that these dates were in the game. Like, I guess I just never really looked at the phone book on your phone, but you've got all the women's names in the phone book, so you can just actually call them up and schedule a date. I mean, it probably says more about me than the game itself that I just never thought of doing this. No, I didn't think to see this. So we both decided that we should try these out. And I think, do you do all the dates? I think I did most of them. I did all of them. Yeah. All the names disappeared from the context. Yeah, same, same. Rather than go through all of them, but I mean, if we're going to talk about one in detail... Amanda. I think it's the most funny interesting one so you call up amanda you're like hey amanda let's go on a date and she's like oh yeah let's meet at victoria peak i thought it was really funny the icon on the map that appears is pink i don't know why i found this funny i was like is this sexist probably not sexist it's probably me projecting i don't know i think it's i think it's okay i hope it's okay feedback to me if that's not okay because i need to know (laughs) feedback to mike if it's okay he needs to know how did your date go? Started off with me jumping over a gate, right? You could have bribed the guard. She's like, oh, the peak is closed. And he's like, oh, it's only open to the public on weekends. No, it's not. The peak's always open. The peak in the game looks nothing like the real peak. It's kind of got a building that's vaguely like the Rice Bowl Tower. And it's got a tram that you can't get to. But like the real peak is... Anyway, that's by the by. You need to get to this bit of the peak and there's a guard there. And you have to bribe him. And Amanda's like, oh, you're so resourceful. (laughs) Do you remember this? And then you just take some photos of Amanda. Yeah. Was it raining in your... No, I think that was just coincidence. It wasn't raining on mine. I mean, that sounds like a really crappy day. It was just raining. and She's just standing in the rain while you take photos. They were just burying it. It was a bit weird. Didn't like either of them, to be honest. I I thought it was quite funny that she does the... You know the Ting's t-shirt mission all that long time ago? And the guy does the ridiculous pose where he does like the kawaii hands and like lifts one leg up. And... (laughs) Amanda did that pose. I just had like flashbacks of like throwing this guy off the cliff. But no, I just took the pictures. The idea was good. As a mission, it was good. Okay, running around, taking pictures. You made it into something interesting. But those, I found them both really annoying. Them, what, like, Wei and Amanda? Yeah. They're like, oh, this is so insufferable. And she's like, is this a date? And you're like, oh, I'd like this to be a date. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Thank you. And then <laughs> the thing I found funny... Well, all the dates kind of have a similar kind of end thing. So your reward for doing the date is unlock something on the mini-map. So with Amanda, it unlocks the health shrines, for example. So then you can see them on your mini-map and it's much easier. And I think they probably expected you to do these dates like straight away because it is quite useful, actually. But yeah, they all end with like porno music and some like very suggestive like camera work. I don't know if you... You hadn't really noticed this, had you? Didn't really notice the porno music, no. Yeah, it's playing some, like, cheesy music. And then with the date with Amanda, the camera's kind of circling this car with blacked-out windows. And then some of the other dates I noticed, one of them is zooming in on a poster that says, 
glow protein face wash which i thought was like is this filthy this seems filthy and another one is kind of zooming on a giant billboard with a poster for frisky brand lingerie anyway i found it amusing do you have anything else to say about amanda oh johnson also did mention to read the police intelligence report did did you read it yes and you were like what is this i don't get it yes yeah because it says basically that she faked a lot of her experience or lied about it because she's allegedly an english teacher and it also says that like she's just dating lots and lots of chinese men and that it just says she seems to have a preference for chinese men <laughs> i thought it was a funny thing to remark on and i guess not ping wasn't a date you can't call not ping not ping calls you are you sure yeah after i did one of the dates i can't remember which one it was but i did one of the dates and then i got a phone call from not ping to set up a date okay but you thought what the date with not ping is lame right we can agree on that that's all i want to agree on the date with not ping you hack a security camera you just run across the road to the park and you run back to the shop and that's it you're done so hey I have an idea. Oh, really? Tell me more. <laughs> we did some more events. Are they, are they events? Is Tang's toys an event? Oh, these are all the face missions. Favours. So I did something else and mine was an event. I think the, the first ones you come across are, there's a disruptive customer, please get rid of him. So there's another one where, you must have come across this, where someone is trapped in a car and you, they're banging against the trunk. I can't remember if I mentioned it in the previous podcast or I just spoke to you about it like over lunch or something. But yeah, I have seen a couple of these, but I don't think I've seen this particular one that you found. Yeah, so I, I thought it'd be another one of those. I thought, oh, okay, fine. Let me just get on with this and just get over and done with. But it turns out this lady in lingerie expecting her partner to come and, I don't know, drive her away. It's like role play. Yeah. But she was very annoyed that I, I released her. It's very silly. Yeah, I didn't find that one. <laughs> Sorry, let's move on to the face missions. The Tang's Toys or Tang's Toy. I think there's a whole sequence of these. There's like Tang's Toy and then Tang's New Toy and then Tang's Newer Toy. And I found it slightly random that you decided to particularly bring up this mission. You said it was lame. <laughs> yeah, because, oh, he's lost something down the sewer as a tracking mechanism or gadget. And I'm in to chase it. You're not paying attention at all. <laughs> He's supposed... There's so many random characters. These face missions are really funny, actually, because some character just comes and spins you a story and you just totally believe them all the time. You're like, oh, I'm on the sun on ye. I'm their scientist. And you're like, uh, okay, I believe you. Although I think in this case it's true. But he tells you that he's developed a new tracker that they can use to smuggle drugs more efficiently. So, you know, there's a proper story reason why you might want to help him. But yeah, he just dumps his package into the sewer and you've got to track it. And it mostly involves you driving really inappropriate places in a car to follow the package. At least, well, I can't remember the exact order of them. There's one with a smart car, there's one with a scooter. I had two with a smart car. But I thought as part of the mission, I would reach the sewage outlet and then pick up the tracker. But it's just, oh, you've followed it. It's like you've tracked it well enough, thanks. Well done. Come on. In terms of building out a world that you believe in that's bs <laughs> what's funny is that i specially specially looked out for this mission and did the whole sequence of missions because i heard that 
when you complete these missions, you actually get a supercar full of gadgets, like actually like a James Bond kind of S car with like Gatling guns that fold out the boot and like an EMP pulse. You can disable other cars. And I was like, this sounds amazing. I want this car. But it turns out that car is DLC content. But it's a real car. It's a real, what do you mean it's a real car? It's not a car in real life. There is DLC for this game or in the definitive edition that when you complete Tang's missions, he will give you this car. But you could build know. a game around that. What? What? I don't understand. You could, you could have a build a game around having this crazy car. It's just called GTA, isn't it? <laughs> so what else do you have to do as part of Tang's missions? So I did two. One was follow the path to the sewage outlet. The other one was similar with a smart car driving on walkways. I think they're all similar. There's one with a scooter as well. They're all just variations of drive around and follow this tracker. Broken parts? Yeah, this is, I guess, the only other face mission that was particularly notable. How many of these? Are there two of these or three of these? There's a few missions where someone says, oh, can you help me? And being a doofus as you are, you walk up and go, oh, yeah, I'll help you. And then someone just like brains you from behind with like a tire iron or a gun or something. And then you've got to chase them because they've stolen your wallet or something. So this is the same thing again. Some guy's like, oh, my motorcycle's broken. Can you help me? And you go over there to take a look. And someone just like whacks you with something, steals your wallet. And then you have to do a parkour chase. But this time the guy goes, whoop, and like jumps over this kind of like railing. And he just breaks his leg. (laughs) It's really funny. It's like completely unexpected. I mean, the thing is, they must have obviously set this up. Because you've done so many of these missions now, you're expecting another stupid parkour chase and you're like oh geez another one of these but instead he jumps off the side and you hear this ah oh no my leg i think it's broken <laughs> and then you just like walk down the stairs and like punch him in the head and take your wallet back so yeah well done game yeah, yeah well done guys and then some oh, there's even more random stuff to comment on karaoke songs there's like six or seven is that right yeah there's a few but they have Pat Benatar. Am I supposed to be excited by this? I don't get this. Why Why should this be exciting? And I just played this a lot. Um, this song in particular on Guitar Hero. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to be why, because I also played this song a lot on Guitar Hero. That's the only reason I know the song. But the version on Guitar Hero is not Pat Benatar, is it? Some other it's cover. cover, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. So that was where you were coming from with it, because I was thinking, my only exposure to this song is Guitar Hero. Fine, same. <laughs> The mid-levels escalator. What do you think of this? This looks a bit weird to me. Oh, it's some context. The mid-levels escalator is the longest outdoor chain of escalators in the world. Or at least it was at the time of Sleeping Dogs being made. It isn't what you expect. Because when I, when I heard of this, I thought it'd be something along the lines of when you go to Disneyland in Florida. I've not been to Disneyland in Florida, um, sorry. Where you're like, you're being whisked away to some wonderful world of magic and fantasy but it's just an escalator running through some streets <laughs> what did you expect i didn't get this i i heard about this on bbc news before i moved to hong kong i read about this and there was like a little video talking about it and i was like this seems so cool and i remember the first time i came to hong kong i specially made like a pilgrimage to the escalator to see it just kind of sad i guess what was really funny is that now I actually take the escalator every day. So my commute to work and my commute home from work is actually on the escalator. It's only a single escalator. It's not like a pair of escalators. So it can only go one way. So it goes downhill until 10am in the morning and then it goes uphill from then until midnight and then they turn it off. 
So I'm very familiar with what the real life mid-levels escalator is like. And then I was really excited to discover it in the game. But you were asking what I thought of the escalator in the game. Yes. Yeah, the escalator in the game is kind of weird. But I guess it's also because Soho is kind of weird. Because like, the escalator goes up through Soho and then it's as much the layout of the streets as it is, you know, what the escalator itself does. It's kind of strange because it's like really wide. But I guess that's just artistic license to make it work in the game. Also, it's not an escalator in the game. It's literally just like a static staircase with an escalator texture. Is it even a staircase? Is it just flat? Some, some bits of it are flat, yeah. But you get that in real life too. It's one of the travelators. What I thought was really funny is that in this area of the game in Hong Kong, there's loads more white people, which I guess is actually true to life too. The area around the escalator is famously where a lot of expats live. Did you find your flat or your block? No, they don't actually have mid-levels in it. So I couldn't go, I can see my house from here. But no, sadly, no. But I did find it funny that the people, when you bump into them around here, because they're all speaking English instead of Cantonese, they don't go, Yamagacho! <laughs> They've actually got really lame insults. It might actually be that the Cantonese insults are really lame too, but I just can't tell because I can't speak Cantonese. But in English, they just say things like, why didn't you stop being a piece of crap? And I was like, why didn't you insult me better? Did you know you had an access to a car valley? Yes, because it told me when I hit face level four. Did you, you have a lackey? Him? You can call him to deliver you a car. Did you use him? I used him once. Why only once? I don't know. I just <laughs> I just started hijacking cars, to be honest. I just started hijacking cars. But you have was, someone to call. I, yeah, but calling him still takes longer than just stealing a car. Wait, it was really funny. Do you call him? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, I called him. And I was like, hey, I need a car. And he's like, dakla. <laughs> it was, I thought it was really cool. It was actually like proper Cantonese. He was like, okay, la, but like, you know, because dak is okay in Cantonese, right? Yep. Yeah, he's like, dakla. And then, and then <laughs> he drove up in my car and like ran over a pedestrian <laughs> and then stopped. And he was like, bye-bye. <laughs> he just ran off after like running over the pedestrian, but he delivered a car to me. I think he delivers one of the cars that's in your personal collection from the garage, I assume. Yes, he does, yeah. The car that he gave me was one of them. How many of the J-Statue upgrades did you get? I found all but one of them. I don't know where the last one is. So you had access to the counters that were elbow-breaking, knee-breaking. Yeah, it was really vicious. It was really painful, especially when you just do it to all his students. You're just like, yeah, just practice on my students. Both of them look really violent. The knee break and also the, I don't know, he twists. He like twists his arm backwards and like snaps it or something. Yeah, yeah that was really horrendous. I just needed to say it. I just needed to say it. I just needed to know I wasn't getting soft in my old age. Well, the enemies are mostly like you and just walk it off. They're just like, oh, it's fine. It's not like it's a drill to the knee. <laughs> and also, I was surprised by the cockfighting prices. Uh, didn't I mention this to you last time? You said 15. No, no, I said 50. <sighs> Sorry, this is the same problem I have when i get in a cab and i have to try and say you know what number i want and i say like 60 and they're like 16 like no six zero six zero and they're like oh okay i said 50 or i meant to say 50 maybe i said it wrong wow serious business this cockfighting yeah i know that's not a small bet mini games are less fun with keyboard are they really i think we spoke about this but not while recording so johnson actually mentioned in some more feedback that he played the entire game with mouse and keyboard. But I think you are missing out if you play with mouse and keyboard. The mini games particularly don't work very well. 
So, for example, the one where you've got to like unlock the safe, you've got to spin the analog stick as if you're turning the dial clockwise or anti-clockwise. You've got to spin it the appropriate way. When you're doing it with the keyboard, you literally just hold left or hold right. And there's no kind of like subtlety to it. You can like very precisely just do one number at a time, for example. Whereas when you're twirling the dial, there's kind of much more finesse you have to do to like stop it in the right place. Or when it comes to calibrating the bug, for example, when you're doing it with the analog sticks, you have to hold the stick in the right place with the left stick, then hold the stick in the right place with the right stick, and then hold both sticks together in a different location that's correct, like hold them both just right. Whereas with the mouse and keyboard, you literally just move the mouse till it goes green, then move the mouse again till it goes green on the right, and then it doesn't give you the two kind of simultaneous ones because there's no way you could move two at once with the mouse. So I think a lot of bits of the game actually are much more visceral with the controller. And the game has definitely been designed with the controller in mind. And the mouse and keyboard, it is much more precise when it comes to shooting and stuff. But I switched to controller quite early on, and I think it was the right decision. Johnson says he was pretty happy that we stuck with keyboard and mouse. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because usually I would be keyboard and mouse all the way. But there are some games that I would definitely use a controller for. I mean, the other one being Dark Souls, for example. I can't imagine playing that with keyboard and mouse. Another thing that Johnson raised, which you jumped on, was that he used taxis by the end of the game. Yeah, his particular comment was that for this last section, he found driving to be an inconvenience. And I definitely agree. There's lots of times towards the end where you have to drive like a kilometre to get to the next mission marker. And I think I mentioned in the first podcast on this that the taxis were really expensive. You know, like a real Hong Kong taxi would be like 20, 30 bucks. You're not really going very far, though. Yeah, but, you know, I, I wanted to go a really short distance. It charged me $300, and I was incensed. But then, at this point in the game, I have, like, a million dollars. And it turns out the taxi charges you $300 no matter where you go. So I, I literally just started taking taxis. Like Whenever I needed to go somewhere that was, like, a thousand-meter drive, I would just get a taxi and just teleport there, because the taxi is instant. It's really convenient. Definitely worth it. Although you do have to be careful not to hijack the taxi instead. Because then not only do you like, oh no, now I've got to drive there myself and the police are after me. That's the only thing to watch out for. Johnson's final thought was... Yeah, Johnson liked the game. Despite all the flaws, he liked it. And he made an interesting comment, which is... If anybody I knew asked me for a recommendation for a Hong Kong action film, I might recommend them this game instead. How did you feel about it? Story-wise, it all came together by the end. It came together enough to be satisfying. It is quite a cliched story, but then I guess that's perfectly reasonable to have a cliched story. And the gameplay escalated enough. The gameplay really escalated. So there was sufficient difference from the first third, middle third and last third of the game. It never got too repetitive. Uh, I really do think the first third of the game was quite slow, but the last particularly the last couple of missions, I really enjoyed the mission where you have to, you know, you get the drill to the knee and you have to fight your way down the skyscraper. That was amazing. And the confrontation with Big Smiley as well, even though they were both quite ridiculous, but they were also very cinematic. And the gaminess of it all, with all the shrines, lockboxes, statues, and having them revealed to you in the minimap with the dates made me explore the city more and actually made me appreciate what they had built more because I didn't go with the taxis in the end. Yeah, I did enjoy it. I mean, 
if I didn't live in Hong Kong, I think I might feel like it was quite a good representation. You know, it captures the feel of Hong Kong. And, you know, they've done a reasonable job and many major landmarks and things too. Like there are lots of times where you like see a vista and it's like, oh yeah, actually this just feel quite a lot like Hong Kong. And there's lots of things that are really inaccurate too, but you know, what do you expect? I'm sure people who play GTA and live in, you know, like New York or something feel the same way. Shall we finish with some stats? Yes, let's finish with some stats. But I'm also really shocked that you didn't think of this. I was like, oh, and Ting, I took a screenshot of my stats. And you're like, oh no, I didn't think of my stats. You love stats. I do love stats. I'm sure I went through the stats and found them very, found them too vanilla. But I'm sure I could have given you at least a time stat. Oh, I I didn't get a time stat. (laughs) From memory, I think it's about 20-ish hours, which is probably in line with how long to beat. The game does have very interesting leaderboards, but I don't, I didn't capture those. Yeah, well, they're, they're going to be different anyway, because they're based on your friends lists and, and stuff. I could still compare them with you. Well, no, because we're playing on different platforms. Oh, I suppose we could have just, but we wouldn't have been able to directly compete. It would have actually been quite funny if we'd both been playing on the same platform and it had popped up that I'd beaten your like longest wheelie score or something. And then you'd be like, oh, that's nice. You can have it. Yeah, no, that's what I've learned. We should always try to play on the same platform. That was my mistake with Dark Souls 3. I've actually only written down three stats that I thought were particularly funny. It's enough. So the first one, 803 enemies defeated. It does say defeated, so it's kind of not necessarily that you killed them. But I thought it'd be funny to compare and contrast to Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. I think Red Dead Redemption was 900 and something, 940 something. So body count, not a million miles away. I guess the difference here is that most of these kills are probably done with my bare hands. Like, you punch a lot of people in this game rather than shoot them. But then, my next favourite stat. 212 tyres shot out. That makes no sense. Why? Is it counting, like, number of bullets hitting the tyre, or is it counting the tyre themselves? No, I think itself? this is individual times you got a tyre shot. Okay, fine, that makes more sense. No, 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 as in, well, I think you only have to hit the tyre once for it to blow up the car. I mean, you took out a lot of cars. I did. I really prioritised this tyre shooting. Every time we were in a chase, I would always go for the tyres rather than the people. Like, I really prioritised the tyre shooting. That's why I thought it was a funny stat. Amazing what things we, we focus on. Yeah, so it's pretty much like, you know, a quarter of my kills come from shooting out the tyres of cars. And then my favourite and final stat, my most accurate gun was the anti-riot shotgun with tack light. I'm really surprised that my most accurate gun was a shotgun. But I think it's probably because I used it only in one mission. Like, I bet I picked up just one of these, shot some guy in the face. Like, surprise! That's what you say with a shotgun, right? Shot him and then threw it away. So I probably got 100% accuracy with this gun. Well, that's it. And that's it. That's a wrap. I don't know how to end these things. You drained. Are you happy you played it? Yes, I am. Good choice. Good choice. Thank you, thank you. Well, does this count as Johnson's choice? I don't even know. Oh, okay, fine. He can take the credit then. I'll, I'll pick something torturous and indie. It's fine. We had a community choice. Yay! Woo! And then, do we have another one for next time? Yes, we do. Injustice 2. You queried this. <laughs> I was like, what? But Netherrealm have changed how they do the story modes for these fighting games nowadays. So starting with, I think it was Mortal Kombat, and now Injustice, 
for both these franchises, they do quite interesting campaigns. So let's play it and have a chat. It should take two to three hours long. Does it depend on how good you are at fighting games? I don't think it should. I think there's a lot of cinematics involved. Really? We're not going to be here next week and be like, yeah, so I couldn't get past the first fight. I'm kidding. You're not that bad. (laughs) Hope not. So the next book club game is Injustice 2. And we are going to... There's no checkpoint, is it? It's literally just finish Finish. the game. Yes, just finish the game. With one character, as many characters as you feel like, at least one. I don't think you get to choose. You don't get to choose? It's not like that, yes. Really? Wow, this is totally different. I I literally have done no research here. (laughs) And what platform are we going to play this on? I don't think we have a choice. Okay. (laughs) We'll say fine. PS4. PS4. Okay. So we will be playing on PS4, which might be the only choice. Injustice 2... Well, unless you have an Xbox One. (laughs) Okay, fine. Injustice 2. Finish the main story. Do we want to say who suggested this? Itor. We can say that. That's it. Good stuff. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. You can find us on Twitter. At Lost Lovers Club. You can find us on Twitch. As Lost Lovers Club, where I'm mostly playing PUBG. And sometimes... Sometimes random other things, like Opus Magnum for about an hour, but mostly PUBG. Do we have a subreddit? Slash r slash Lost Lovers Club. And we have a website. LostLevels.club. It's a URL, people. It's allowed these days. It's the future. Are you grateful for anything? I'm grateful I didn't burn to death in a restaurant. <laughs> you know what? It was actually quite scary because it was an oil fire. Like, I think it was like lots of fat that had got, you know, rendered into the, like, lots of people had been cooking very fatty things on this burner. And I think all like the, the oil and fat had like liquefied and gone into the trap under the burner. And then that had caught fire. So it was like liquid oil. And the waitress was like, oh, geez. And she ran up to it and she was about to throw a jug of water onto it which would have then made it explode and we were like no <laughs> don't do it and she was like oh and then she backed off luckily and then the manager came and smothered it with like a wet towel so we're like oh thank goodness it's fine and then we noticed the actual table was on fire from underneath and we're like uh oh isn't there like a gas canister down there and then we all backed away and they took out a fire extinguisher and put it all out so it was fine but you know it was quite exciting. And then we were all like talking about it for like an hour afterwards. And then we're like, hang on a minute. Is this like Final Destination? <laughs> Watch out on the way home. But we're all still alive, so it's fine. So Michael says bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>